0: So we are continuing our series B, the overarching theme of Be Different. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. We've started this back at the beginning of January. So we've been at this for a while, and the end is in sight. We're starting chapter 7 today. So that's, yay, if you're tired of this, the end is near. If you've been enjoying this um, as much as I have, (coughs) this has been a good series. We're taking a chunk of Scripture that is often just glazed over because it's talked about so often, and we've just pumped the brakes, we've taken it slow, we've unraveled all the layers of everything that Jesus is teaching, and uh, a reminder that this sermon, even though we can read it in probably about 20 minutes, and we could have done it all in one message, this sermon would have been preached over several days, Jesus took days to unpack this for the people, and as he was, people were coming, the crowds were growing, and they were interested to hear what he had to say. Um, so as we've been going through, I've been dividing it up into smaller sub and this last sub-series has kind of taken the part where we talked about relationship and how we love our spouses and we love our kids and we love those that sometimes we don't like, which is sometimes our spouses and kids, and how we love them better. <coughs> and then we looked at disciplines, we looked at money, we looked at prayer. And this is kind of the culmination of how do we treat people, how do we remain authentic, and really the kind of underlying theme as we wrap up is how do we not be hypocrites? How do we maintain our authenticity? How do we stay true to the teaching and stay true to who God has called us to be? And sometimes it's going to be tough, sometimes it's going to be challenging, but yet we still try. And this morning, We're going to be looking at one of the most quoted verses in all of Scripture. For hundreds of years, the most quoted, most memorized Scripture in the Bible was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And for the last decade or so, it's changed. The most quoted verse in all of Scripture right now is Matthew 7.1. And not even the full verse, just the first half. So here is Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge others. Most people stop there. Do not judge others. But I'm going to read the rest of it just so we kind of get our scope of what's going on. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Judge now there's a few layers of what is going on here judged by others is going to be kind of the the thing we key in on but there's a few layers of what's going on here by with Jesus the question is is he actually saying to never judge anybody ever because that's how it's presented and this is why it's so important as church people as Christ followers that we know our scripture and we know the context of things because In the past, the church has taken the word of God, and we've weaponized it against unbelievers, unintentionally, I will add. But we've used it as this weapon, this sword that we're going to swing, and if you get hit, it sucks to be you. But this has been the one verse that culture has actually taken and weaponized against us. Because how is this do not judge others? How is this used? It's used when someone is living a life that is less than good that is less than admirable that doesn't quite meet God's standards and they know that they're going to get talked to. There's correction coming. There's a, that discussion coming that things need to change and when this verse gets thrown at us. God tells, tells you do not judge others. Uh, and if we don't know the context. We're now handcuffed. Because they're not lying. It does. It says right there do not judge others. Well Yeah, it's a half-truth. There's only half of what's actually going on and what's going on here. And the question is, is Jesus actually telling us that we can never, ever use our judgment? Can we never, ever look at somebody's situation and use the judgment that God has given us to make an evaluation of what's going on? No! Jesus is not saying that. Not in the least. The word here is a Greek word, and uh, they're all Greek words, I know, Um, but it's a Greek word. The judgment that he's talking about is the condemning kind of judgment, the kind of judgment where we look at you, and because you have this issue, whatever the sin is, whatever the struggle is, and I make this assumption that you are less than, right? So if you're a liar, that's all you'll ever be, you're a liar and I'm passing that judgment and you're less than me because you're a liar or because you struggle with lust or whatever it is that kind of condemning how dare you kind of judgment Jesus saying you don't no 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 we don't pass that kind of judgment as believers why cuz and then he gets and then he unpacks why he says this and there's two layers to what Jesus is saying. Number one, if you pass that kind of judgment on others, be ready to get it back. Right? If you are critical, hypercritical, arrogant, condemning in your judgment of other people, guess what? You're going to get it in return. Because that you've asked for it. You've invited that kind of judgment on yourself. If you are going to be Everyone's just a 30-round sinner, and I don't want anything to do with them. Well, guess what? They're going to look at you and be like, and you're any different? Whatever measure you use, be ready for people to use it back at you, believer or unbeliever. But the other layer, and this is typically the way we go, and it's just as true, the kind of judgment that we use is going to be used against us on judgment day. So if you're this condemning, you're less than because of the course of your actions, because of your sin. if, if you use this kind of judgment on others, you're inviting God's judgment on yourself. So and, and I don't know about you, but I don't want a condemning judgment from God, because He's got all everything he needs to condemn me fully and completely. <laughs> What's the kind of judgment? We want from God, when we get before Him, when we stand before Him, we want the kind that is gracious and loving and has our best in mind. Well, if we want God to judge us graciously and lovingly and with our best in mind to build us back up, then Jesus is saying you need to judge others the same way. See, we can't use a condemning kind of judgment, but it doesn't mean we can't judge. The kind of judgment that Jesus wants us to use, and we're going to kind of unpack this more as we get going, is the kind that says, I see that you're struggling, and I love you enough to walk alongside you and help you out of this, because I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, let's deal with our sin together. I love you enough to not leave you in this. I love you enough to not let you just get sucked down by this, weighed down by this, miss out on the life that God has promised you in this. That's the kind of judgment we need to use. Because that's the kind of judgment God wants to use for us. (coughs) So how do you judge others? That's the... The first question I have for you this morning. What kind of judgment do you use when you're looking at other people's lives? And if you're not sure, there's a really easy way to, there's an easy barometer and a good test. As you pass judgment, what's your motivation for it? Do you see someone struggling and your heart is stirred to come alongside them and be like, I want to get them out of this. Because they, are, they're, they have so much potential. They could be doing so much better. I want to help. Or is it, meh, nah, sucks to be you. Or they're getting theirs. What's your motivation? Why are you judging? And that's going to tell you what kind of judgment you are using. That's going to tell you where you need to make changes. Continue on, verse 3, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your own friend's eye. Judge yourself first, is what Jesus is saying. And when we read this and it says log, uh, log isn't really a great um, translation. What Jesus is talking about is the kind of beam that would have been used in construction to support a roof or support a floor. Like we're not talking about a log. We're talking about a massive construction beam that would have been hard to miss. And we think of the size of this thing, it should draw to another large piece of wood that Jesus calls us to carry as believers every day. He says quote, twice throughout Gospels that we are to take up our cross if we are to follow him. And you know, what Jesus is saying is that before we go into a situation, so we, we, we've dealt with the first part, we've got our hearts in the right spot, we're, gonna, we're judging, we, we've passed judgment, and for those of you that are uncomfortable with the fact that I'm still using that word, we'll use the good church word, discernment. You've discerned that there's an issue in someone's life, right? Because that, that makes us more comfortable. We like discernment better. But it's judgment. Let's just be honest here. We're just prettified a gross word. Uh, you've used your discernment, and you've identified that somebody has a struggle in their life. And, and what Jesus is saying, before you go and talk to them, you better deal you better come at it at least aware of what's going on in your own life. Because the speck in their life, y- you may be able to see this little issue that's going on, but so often what has happened is we've tossed away the log, the greatness of our own sin. Because we, we are forgiven sinners, right? We're forgiven, we're made new, Jesus died on the cross to take it all away so that we have unhindered relationship with Him, but we're still sinners. We still make mistakes. And what Jesus is saying is that how aware of you of this beam? How aware of you are you of how great of sin you have in your own life as you go talk to this person? Or are you coming to this person with this attitude that I've got it all together and you're a mess and oh, darn it, we've switched over to the other judgment again? Jesus is saying, you've got this log in your own life. So when you come into a situation, you're talking to people, do it carrying the cross. You've got sin in your life. I've got sin in my life. Let's work on it together. So how aware are we of the sin in our life? How aware are we? And how readily are we forgiving it? Or are we trying to sweep it under the rug? Because we, we, I think we think of sin as this thing that can be swept under a rug. It's small. It's insignificant. It's just this thing that I do every once in a while. And as long as I don't draw attention to it, nobody will notice it. And what Jesus is trying to remind us is that sin is not something that is small like be swept under a rug. It's like putting a beam of wood underneath the carpet and hoping nobody trips on it. When you put a beam of wood under a carpet, it becomes a partition. You see it. It cuts the room in half. And that's what Jesus is saying. You can't sweep your sin under the rug. You have to deal with it. And the way you deal with it is you come to the cross, you come to Jesus, and you confess it, you repent of it, you turn away from it, right? We talked about this a a few weeks ago. That forgiveness is for all who repent, and repentance isn't just continually coming and saying, I'm sorry. But repentance is actually turning away. 180, I'm not having anything to do with this anymore. And once we've dealt with our own sin, then we can... We're in a place where we can help others wrestle with their own. And oftentimes, the sin that we are dealing with, actually, as we learn to overcome it, as we learn to let go of it, actually puts us in a position to help others with a similar sin. It's not a coincidence that some translations use the word splinter, not speck, and log. What do a splinter splinter, and a log have in common? Both made of wood. They're the same thing. And the sin in your life, you are always going to be hyper aware of. So if you struggle with lust and everything that falls under lust, you are going to be hypersensitive to recognize when someone else is struggling with it. And what has happened often is because we are aware of it, because we are sensitive to it, we, we react over the top about it. Because we know the damage it's doing in our own life. Because we know how much of a trap it is. And we don't want anyone else. So we react. And usually over the top. You know what Jesus is saying? Stop the over the top reaction. You've got your struggle. They've got their struggle. Let's struggle with it together. <coughs> so second question. How aware of you. Of the sin in your own life, how aware of you how are you? Not that you're like writing it down in your sin journal, like don't. If you have a sin journal, get rid of that thing. That is not helpful at all. But how aware of you of your own struggles? How aware of you are? Are you just trying to sweep it under the rug and hope that it just goes away one day? Or are you daily taking up your cross, coming before your Savior and being like, Jesus, help me. Spirit, strengthen me. My flesh is weak. All my Romans Bible study people will appreciate everything I'm about to say. My flesh is weak. Everything I don't want to do, I continue to do, and everything I want to do, I don't do. Holy Spirit, come and help me. And in that awareness, we have all the humility, we have the grace, we have the ability to come alongside those others who are struggling and help them along. And what actually ends up happening is that You bear some of theirs, they bear some of yours, and together you overcome. So what kind of judgment are you using? How aware of the sin are you in your own life? And we come to verse 6. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls and turn and attack you. Know your audience, is what Jesus is saying Now some of your translations probably didn't say don't throw what is holy to those that are unholy. It probably says something along the lines of don't throw what is holy to dogs. And we need to understand that in, and this hasn't changed, in Jesus' day and even today, there's two animals in that that culture that are despised among all else. Number one are dogs. Number two are pigs. Pigs. Because dogs are gross. Wild dogs will eat anything. They'll attack anything. They pack up. They're dangerous. And two, pigs are unclean animals. I know us in our New Testament covenant people, yay, bacon. But in there, bacon bad, pig bad. And nothing. And, and so in that culture, to refer to someone as a dog or a pig is a grave insult. Well, you know what? That's actually that actually translates. Don't make it a habit to call someone a pig, even in our culture. That's not well received. A dog, you know, what's what's up, dog? You know, that was a thing for a while. But mm, don't be a dog, don't be a pig. You know, they're insulting, they're degrading. And Jesus is making this point. (coughs) He's making kind of two points wrapped up into one. The first point is that when you come to somebody... Who you have used your discernment and recognize that somebody is struggling with something, and you come to them for correction, how aware of you, how receptive are they to that correction? Because if they're not receptive, if they're not ready to deal with it, if they're not ready to overcome it, if they're not ready for it to be corrected, then it's the same thing as throwing pearls to pigs. They're just going to throw it back at you. They're not ready for it. They're going to get defensive. And Jesus is saying, they're not ready for it. Don't, save your breath. Instead of going to them, pray for them. Continue that, let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do. And when the time is right, Ooh, we've lost everything. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Okay, um, when the time is right, then go talk to them. And it's not just about correction. It's not just when we're dealing with sin and temptation and all the things that we so often struggle with. And it's not just like in, we use sin and temptation and we're like, oh, well, those are, the, those are really broad terms. You see someone that's doing something that's going to impact their marriage, you should address it. You see somebody that's doing something that's impacting their finances and they're going to get in trouble for it. You address it. You're a brother or sister. Anytime someone starts to veer off the beaten path, you address it. Because you love each other. Because you don't want people to get in trouble. You don't want people to veer off and make mistakes that can't be undone. But it's not just when it comes to correction. It even applies when we're comes to sharing the gospel with people. The one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to open the gospel up to to ridicule. We don't want to go to the wrong person and they just shove it in our face and they, right? That's throwing what is holy to unholiness. We should value the gospel so much and Protect it and be ready when the time is right, when someone is receptive. We are ready to give an account, to testify of the good things that God has done in our life so that we can share that with other people. But we got to know our audience. This is why, I'm not going to name any names, but there's big televangelists who have made their money um, standing on soapboxes and declaring the gospel to people. And they turn more people away than they bring in. Why? Because they're obnoxious. And the crowds aren't ready. They're not receptive. God hasn't completed the good work of softening their heart. So you need to be aware of who you're talking to, who you're sharing with. But on the flip side of it, we can't be withholding that which is so precious, what is so valuable, what can change lives because of our opinion of people. So Jesus is saying, don't throw it to people who aren't ready, but don't withhold it from people who are ready. And so Jesus is also addressing the idea that his followers would have seen certain people as dogs and as pigs, probably the Romans, probably the Samaritans, probably other cultures who were less than, and we're, not, were keeping this kingdom message to ourselves because I'm not sharing it with you. I'm not sharing it with them. They're traitors. They're, they're beating us down. They're hurting us. No, I'm not doing it. And the question Jesus is asking us is, are we doing the same thing? Are there people in our life who we have passed judgment on, bad judgment, condemn them because of something they've done, because of something they've said, for whatever reason, they fall into, we wouldn't actually call them this, but in our heart we are treating like pigs and dogs. And because we see them this way, because we see them as less than where we're holding the good things of the kingdom of God from them. We're withholding the gospel message. We're withholding the love of Christ. We're withholding forgiveness. We're withholding things because we see them as less than and Jesus is saying, you need to stop doing that too because they're not pigs and dogs. They're not less than you. You're all sinners in need of a Savior. We're, we're all in this together. Just some of us have recognized it and some just haven't yet. Yet. This whole judgment idea is so prevalent in our society and we're so quick. I I think we've been trained through social media and through shows and through everything to just pass judgment quickly that everyone is out to get us, everyone is out to destroy the church, and you're all our enemies and we're just going to keep you at arm's length. And Jesus is saying, stop it. Stop passing judgment. Because what, at one point in your life, you needed a Savior. At one point in your life, you were lost and blinded by the lies of society. You were consumed by sin. And by God's grace, somebody came into your life, started praying for you, invited you to the church, and you found newness of life in Christ. Well, guess what? Just because it happened for you doesn't mean it's happened for everyone yet. And we all need to be willing. We all need to be ready for that moment where we can swoop in. doesn't matter what your opinion is of them because they are an image bearer of God. And God loves them. And God wants to save them. And God wants to pour himself into them and make them new. So Jesus isn't saying stop judging. He's saying use good judgment. And for those of you that like it, discernment, use your discernment. When people are struggling, come alongside them and walk with them And because with the measure that you love and j- pass judgment on others is going to be used against you. Both by people and by God. And I don't know about you, I really don't want God to pass harsh judgment on me. I'd rather see some grace coming my way because I'm going to need it. Your B statement this morning, oh, if I can... I've lost clicker control. We've lost everything. Okay. Our B statement this morning is be gracious. There it is. Look at that. I knew you guys could do it. Be gracious. Don't be judgmental. Don't be condemning. Be gracious. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you Thank you, because of what Jesus did, that you're gonna show us grace and mercy and love, <coughs> Jesus, I thank you that you are gonna pour out your grace and your mercy and you already have I thank you for your forgiveness that washes us away washes away everything that doesn't belong and makes us new. And because of that grace, and because of that mercy, and because of that forgiveness, God, may it pour out of us in abundance. May we not approach others with a judgmental attitude, but we approach them with a gracious, loving attitude. Not to tear them down, but to build them up. God, gives us eyes to see the ways in which we can walk alongside our brothers and sisters and encourage them in their walk so that together we won't be weighed down by sin, but we can walk in victorious, live a victorious life. Overcomers, more than overconquers, more than conquerors.